the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now. Nine minutes past clock on the authority. Thanks for being with us on a Wednesday. It's the 15th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Uh, thank you so much. So the ongoing indoctrination of our children. It is being allowed in Ohio. It is being encouraged in Ohio. School districts, including some of the largest, including in this case, Cincinnati Public Schools, are bringing in Racial arsonists to set fires, make people hate each other, make children hate each other, and then walk away, probably smiling. It's all part of a grand plan of the Marxist uh, theory behind uh, critical race theory. And this is exactly what is going on. I want to share the words of Dan Reginald before I bring Dan on in an email, which uh, which led me to this conversation today from StopCriticalRaceTheory.com, Stop Critical Race Theory in Ohio. Uh, Cincinnati Public Schools brought in Dr. Onie Okabwobi, I hope I'm doing that right, who is a Ph.D. in sociology from The Ohio State University, who was brought in to talk about what? As Dan wrote, not about test scores or ways to improve academic excellence. She didn't talk about reasons why CPS student proficiency currently ranks at 26.3% proficient. By the way, if I'm doing my own math here, that's around, what, 74% non-proficient or 73.7% not proficient in Cincinnati schools. But for 19 minutes, Dr. Okawobi spoke about racial inequality and her distorted racist view of the world. Uh, there's a video attached to this, which I think everybody should watch. Uh, maybe they can do so at StopCriticalRaceTheory.com. Uh, as the history of our great country was changed before our very eyes uh, through the lens of this critical race theory. This conversation is instructive, Dan writes, as the same conversation is going on at schools all around Ohio, probably 
including those in which your children or grandchildren are attending right now. Race being injected into education and not in a positive way. Dan Reginald, the founder of StopCriticalRaceTheory.com and Stop Critical Race Theory in Ohio, joins us now to discuss. Good morning, Dan. Good morning to you, Bob. And and just I want to say Merry Merry Christmas to all the great people that I've had a chance to meet up in uh, northern Ohio. And uh, it's just great to have a chance to be on your show. Always a Um, pleasure to talk with you, Dan. Thank you. And Merry Christmas to you as well. Go ahead. So this all started out with a parent, uh, a parent that was concerned about their kid. And they got a hold of me and they said, "What, what can we do? We're worried about some of the things that we're hearing is going on in our kid's classroom. So I, I gave them a document from John and Diane Stover, who I know you, who I know you know sure. from protectohiochildren.net. They're great people. And what the form was was an opt-out form that if the parent filled it out, they, they were instructing their school to let them opt out of divisive race conversations. The parent did a super job, filled it out, sent it to the Cincinnati Public Schools, the particular school is called Pleasant Ridge Montessori, and uh, the lawyer for Cincinnati Public Schools got back to him shortly and said, you do not have any rights as a parent to opt out of uh, divisive topics like race. And uh, so I went to Andrew Brenner, who runs the Senate Education Committee. He said, surely parents do have that right. And the parents said to me, well, what do I do next? Uh, so he, the parent had also asked for, to see his kid's curriculum. And on about the fifth email, he got some dribs or drabs, but he couldn't really get that. So the parent said to me, oh, also, I've, Dan, I've, I've got some video. And uh, I don't know, you might want to look at it because there's some concerning stuff. And, and when I looked at it, Bob, I, I just couldn't believe that this stuff was being uh, thrown at our kids. Well, um, you know, you have been watching this as closely, or if not closer than anybody. Um, I am not surprised, but I am equally disgusted. Um, Dan, what I want to talk about, as you and I chatted last night in preparation for this interview, is is what is being done at the state level to deal with this. Um, as you know, there are two I- bills, uh, as you actually pointed out uh, to me, there are two bills, House Bills 327 and 322, which have been introduced into the Ohio House to end critical race theory, to ban it from being taught in the state of Ohio, to ban this uh, see color first and foremost and evaluate and judge people based on their color rather than being colorblind and evaluating, on, uh, evaluating, evaluating them on their, their character. And these two bills sit languishing in committees not being acted upon. And as soon as I read on your website, StopCriticalRaceTheory.com, the specifics about where these sit and the number of Republicans who are in charge of these committees, which they're in charge of all committees with their their supermajority in both uh, chambers of the Ohio uh, General Assembly, Dan, I'm livid. I am livid that they are not acting on the uh, 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 you know on the uh, behalf on behalf of their constituencies throughout this state that say we don't want this we don't want this racial division we don't want this hatred why are ohio republicans sitting there doing nothing you should be livid and all of your listeners should be livid because what you've got here is republicans that are killing this because they're scared it will impact their re-election chances next november instead of looking at the issue the republicans are, are choosing to try to try to try to walk the walk 
In other words, one's blaming the other. Robert Cup, the Speaker of the House, is blaming DeWine. DeWine's blaming Cup. And, and all that's happening is they're trying to kill the bills because they're scared to take the vote. And you've seen it. You've seen it, Bob, and, and, and I've seen it. And it's, it's disappointing to me because there are several legislature, legislators in Ohio that are concerned about this. But in all honesty, there are some that aren't. There's, there's, there's a, a very well-known House member up right up in your backyard that still declares that critical race theory is not being taught in Ohio. And I don't know, I don't know if we just are seeing different worlds converge or what, but you've got about five people in leadership, um, four people in leadership at the House, Robert Cup, Scott Wiggum, who's the committee chairman, uh, Bill Seitz, who's the third uh, member in charge, and uh, there's, there's, uh, there's also one other. And then you've got Matt Huffman, who's president of the Senate. Between them and, and Governor DeWine, they all have the ability to end critical race theory, to end this, like this incident that happened in Cincinnati Public Schools immediately, but they just don't want to. <laughs> no, they don't want to. And by the way, uh, name her. Name her, the one you set up in, our, uh, in northern Ohio, in northeast Ohio, in fact, in our listening area, that just denies it's being taught in Ohio. I'm concerned about Gail Manning and, and, and her communication about critical race theory. I've, I've heard it mentioned several times that it doesn't exist in Lorraine schools. I question that. And I've heard her say, say that, that it's not happening. And for Gail Manning and for other people in the legis- legislation, we're publishing, we have published, it's at the printer, 45 concrete examples of critical race theory in Ohio that have been sent to me from all around the state. And it's not the kind of Christmas gift I want to send you, Bob, but when it comes off the press, I'm going to send it to you. And, um, and you can use it for those people that are, that are out in the woods. That, and you've heard, you've heard them, Bob. They're the ones that say, well, critical race theory is not really being taught in K through 12. Well, you know what? So Dan I'll Reginald, send you this book. Yeah, that, you, know, you, you say that's not the kind of gift I want to receive. You're wrong. I actually do. I'd rather have that than a new iPad or something because I can make some use of this. Uh, and, and it's important to do, to, do, to do this. What I want to know is what response are you getting? And I don't, I don't mean you specifically, but if anybody else with Stop Critical Race Theory uh, in Ohio uh, or anybody else is reaching out to the people you just mentioned, to Cup, to Seitz, to Wiggum, to Huffman, uh, are, are they saying anything about why these things sit there and languish in committee without even being brought up anymore? They, I've tried to contact them. I have contacted them all personally. I have asked to meet with them all personally. They just blame one or the other or say it's coming, but it started six months ago. They told us when they took their two-month recess that it would be the first thing looked at in September, nothing in September, nothing in October. And I just, to be honest with you, I've reported, I reported last week, Bob, that in my mind, the bills are dead in the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. And I believe they are dead unless we can get Ohioans to, to say, hey, listen, we're spending a ton of money for education in Ohio. At Cincinnati Public Schools, they're spending 20, almost $20,000 per student. In my mind, that's still real money, Bob. And uh, as a taxpayer, I don't want to spend send money to Cincinnati Public Schools for them to indoctrinate our kids and to tell us some of the things that we're, we're told uh, in this in this in this in this diatribe of of a video. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that 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 they're saying about 
about basically that critical race theory is an excuse by, I guess, us people to try to stop the progress of, of the African-American community, that the Tea Party was, stop, was started uh, to, to stop any Barack Obama from doing anything and, and to stop the progress of African-Americans, that um, we brought critical race theory to the forefront right after George Floyd because we didn't want to see the black community advance. These are, these are things that, that I judge people by the content of their character, and they're things that, that are very hard for me to look at, especially when we're paying that amount of money for it. Well, these people are racial arsonists. I've said that term before, and I'll continue to use it. This is literally what they want to do, is they want to continue to start fires in our communities, liter- figurative at first, literal after a while, um, based on race. And they are the ones who are trying to claim that equity should substitute for equality. And that is not the way this country was built. It is not why, uh, it is not rather how uh, uh, African Americans, particularly in the last four years, under the leadership of what was de- deemed by the left to be the racist president of the United States, made greater gains in their, in their incomes, in their uh, homeownership, in their uh, employment than ever before. And it was done because equality of opportunity is presented in this country, not equity of outcome. They want to be assured, talking about the racial arsonists, not everyone, not everyone of a certain race or anything else, but those who are who are promoting this division and this hatred, they want everyone to be assured of having the exact same outcome as everybody else, regardless of the amount of effort put in, regardless of the amount of education achieved, regardless of the amount of hours worked, etc. Educate, or excuse me, equality of opportunity is very different than equity of outcome, and there is only one of those that they are concerned with. So this parent in Cincinnati, Bob, who wants, who just wants to get his kid away from this, you know, what's he to do? Uh, he's been told by the, by the lawyer for Cincinnati Public Schools he can't opt his kids out. So the only choice that the legislature and, and the governor have left this parent is to file a lawsuit at extremely high costs. And, and it's not likely he'll be able to do that. So I've written a letter to Dave Yost, and, and I, I've written a letter and crafted it along the lines of Mark Levin's book, uh, which is called uh, American Marxism, where Levin basically says all the critical race theory battles will eventually be fought on the 14th Equal Protection Amendment and also the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And Dave Yost was – Attorney General Dave Yost was super clear about, about school districts – and that they can't treat one race different than another. And I've asked Dave Yost to take a look at this and to take enforcement action against Cincinnati Public Schools immediately. Yeah, I have your letter in front of me, uh, and, I'm, and I'm so glad that you did that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how and when he responds to this, particularly, you know, because as you pointed out, you know, not that he's his boss, if you will, but literally the chief executive in this country is Mike DeWine. And Mike DeWine seems content, as you described before, to allow these bills just to die and to not act on them and, uh, and, and allow, you know, this to continue in Ohio schools. It'll be interesting to see if the attorney general kind of uh, differs with the governor on this and actually takes strong action or at least issues a strong statement. And for anybody who wants to watch the video and, and, and see the information, they can just go on our website, stopcriticalracetheory.com, and go and hit blog, and it'll be the first article up, and it'll be up in about 10 minutes or so. And, and it'll be interesting for you all to see what's going on all around Ohio, not just in Cincinnati. 
Well, the other thing I want to encourage people to do is go to that same blog link you just mentioned, because I think underneath the description of what's going on in terms of the legislation, I believe you have the um, contacts for Cup and DeWine and Seitz and Wiggum and Huffman and others uh, uh, who, are, who are letting this sit, right? I do. I hope everybody will reach out to them and, and, and tell them just to, uh, to protect the children uh, of Ohio and, and get rid of this. It, 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 Bob, it's, it's hard for me to imagine if my proficiency, if the organization I ran was 26% efficient, proficient, if I would look at that and then think, well, and then why am I injecting race into education? Don't we have to get the kids learning at, at the top of their games first before we think of anything else? And surely we don't. Race mm-hmm. shouldn't be considered at all. To, to the Marxists who are behind critical race theory, and people have to go all the way back and look at the history of critical theory first, by the way. Critical theory is its own entity, and that is from which critical race theory uh, was born. But, um, you know, to these individuals... <laughs> Achievement and and proficiency don't matter. And I know you know this, Dan Reginald. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but people need to understand. It is not about proficiency. Again, it is about equity, however we have to get there. And if that means we have to dumb down the higher higher achievers to to have a more equitable outcome, for example, getting rid of higher-level math in junior high schools because too many children who are who are uh, of color or minorities uh, are, are are failing and not able to achieve those high levels and it makes them look bad it makes them feel bad it it diminishes their quote unquote opportunity and so they get rid of the higher math uh, because uh, you know because they just cannot compete in it dan that's their concern they just want an equitable equitable outcome they don't care about proficiency you know that as well as anyone does yeah, and I just want to give a shout-out. We've got 52 Ohio groups that are part of our Stop Critical Race Theory Coalition. There's a lot of people around Ohio that really want to see this go away, so I just encourage everybody up there in, in, in northern Ohio to, to reach out to these five people and tell them you want action. Well, I'm reaching out myself to try to get some of them on the air. I don't know how many of them are going to be willing to have this conversation, but you're right. Uh, every constituent needs to reach out. Bob Cup, Mike DeWine, Bill Seitz, Scott Wiggum, uh, Wiggum and uh, Matt Huffman in particular. If you go to that website, Dan just told you about, stopcriticalracetheory.com. Go to the blog page. Click on the article there about Cup, DeWine, Seitz, Wiggum, and Huffman killing critical race theory. Scroll down about three-quarters of the way through, and you will see contact links there for each individual. Let them know how you feel demand that they do something from the legislative side to stop critical race theory from harming our children and get us back to the uh, the world of education rather than indoctrination dan reginald thank you so much for what you do please keep up the good work and keep us posted thank you bob thanks a lot bye-bye god bless all right that's dan reginald from stop critical race theory in ohio read that story where i just shared it with you and react if you would like at 216-901-0945 after this Um, thanks a lot. Thank Bye-bye. You. God bless. All right, that's Dan Reginald from Stop Critical Race Theory in Ohio. Read that story where I just shared it with you and react if you would like at 216-901-0945 after this. I said it in the first half hour of the program. And I said it during that interview with Dan Reginald. I have no use for Ohio Republicans. 
I haven't lived in a lot of states. I've moved around a little bit because of the nature of my career. But I have never seen a bigger waste of a supermajority of Republicans in my life. They, they are just the most pathetic bunch of rhino squishes I have ever seen. And that's collectively. And that's from the Governor Rhino himself, the bespectacled buffoon, Mike DeWine, to the Speaker, to the Senate President, to these committee chairs who are allowing this very important legislation to languish, which allows more and more teachers' unions and radical board members to push critical race theory and the 1619 Project into the curriculum of your students. It's not like they can say, well, what can we do? The way the Republicans in the Congress can, in the U.S. Congress, oh, what can we do? We don't have the majority. We can't, we can't promote or uh, propose anything that's going to pass. We're not going to get the Democrats to go along with this. They can say that in the U.S. House. They cannot say that in the Ohio House. In the Ohio Capitol building, Republicans rule the roost by large numbers. There's no excuse to allow Democrat-supported critical race theory, Marxism in action, to be in our public school curricula. No excuse. And not one of these rhino weasels will take responsibility for it and advance this legislation through. None of them. And I hope you tell them so. And give them that message from me as well. I will support the primarying of every single one of them as far as my voice and this transmitter can carry. I will support the primarying of all of them if they don't get this legislation passed post-haste. There's nothing in their way. There's nothing the Democrats can do. And if you put it on DeWine's desk and he vetoes it, he literally ends his own chances of re-election. Get it done! Get it done, rhinos. I'll be right back. Just because the president is incoherent doesn't mean you have to be. The Bob France Authority, keeping you politically coherent. On AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Onward we go. This is uh, this is just a quickie. <laughs> uh, I keep chuckling, and I shouldn't. It's not nice. I'm not. I, it's just these people are so, so cartoonish. Uh, you can't. Sometimes not laugh at him. According to uh, News 5, Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield and Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski, uh, all of whom, it is my understanding, are double vaccinated and boosted, so that means thrice shot with the profit shots, have uh, somehow tested positive for COVID-19. You know, those, that thing that the vaccinations are supposed to inoculate you against? Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently they're 
they're positive for COVID-19. And scientists around the world must be flummoxed by this news. How can two triple vaccinated profit shot receivers possibly still come down with coronavirus? And moreover, according to uh, what I was just told during the break, online there are a whole lot of people freaking out right now because Baker Mayfield and his wife, Emily, are shown in pictures on a local Lorraine County newspaper hugging and posing for pictures with crowds of young children as they made a visit to the Boys and Girls Club in Illyria on Monday. So now all of the Illyria parents whose kids were all around Baker and Emily, who, by the way, of course, are not masked, and neither are any of the kids, which they shouldn't be. But I have to point this out because of the narrative. Now they're all worried about whether or not Baker Mayfield or his wife gave COVID to their kids. They're freaking about this. What I find funny and interesting about this, of course, is the fact that they shouldn't be freaking at all if they're believers in the vaccine, because remember, the vaccine prevents the spread of COVID. And even if Baker and Emily and Kevin Stefanski tested positive despite their triple vaxes, they won't share it with others, because that's what the vax does. It prevents the spread, right? <laughs> it reminds me of the... It reminds me of the cruise ship. I just told you about the cruise ship uh, that, that was docking in New Orleans about a week ago. I told you the story. Had around, what was it, like 1,700 people on board, I think it was. I'm, I'm going by memory here. That may be wrong. But I think there's around 1,700 people on board between uh, passengers and crew. And you were not allowed to step foot on that cruise ship without being fully vaxxed. No unvaccinated people on that cruise ship. And suddenly, somehow, there was a massive outbreak of COVID-19 at sea with a ship full of only vaccinated people. And yet I got Joe Biden screaming at me, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. (laughs) Vaccinated people crack me up. They're arguing about how safe they are and how dangerous it is for those of us who are unvaccinated, even those of us who are naturally immune due to previously uh, recovering from COVID. But they're telling us how we are the drivers of the spread of uh, of COVID-19, and yet we just continue to see case after case. And they call these are very rare breakthrough cases. Really? How can you say that anymore? After every day's newscasts, are, well, they're not the newscasts. They don't actually put these on legacy mainstream newscasts. You have to look them up. Find them from people like me who will tell them to you. But where we see case after case, event after event, uh, instance after instance of fully vaccinated people testing positive and or getting other people sick. It's, it's, it's comical at this time. You can't do anything but laugh. Now, this, however, is not a laughing matter, what I want to share with you now. I want to go back. If you're on hold, stay there. I will come to you, I promise. But just let me let me do this. I want to go back to my conversation with Dan Reginald a few minutes ago, and we were talking about the 26% proficiency, according to state standards, of children in Cincinnati public schools. I would imagine that is a lofty goal for Cleveland public schools. Their, test, their proficiency is probably lower than 26%. And you're going to find the same thing in most of Ohio's big cities, 
You're going to find the same thing probably in Toledo Public Schools, probably in Youngstown Public Schools, in, in the biggest state cities in Akron. You're, you're probably going to find the same thing, very, very low proficiency rates. And we always talk about why. Uh, last week I talked with Kenny Shu. Kenny Shu is um, uh, 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 an author, and also uh, he is the founder of an organization that essentially is opposed to dumbing down standards in school to meet equity goals for these kids who are non-proficient. Dumbing down, um, you know, the the math standards, dumbing down the reading standards, trying to make it easier for for kids who can't do well, or rather who don't do well, to get. Scores that are similar to those who do do well. In other words, to advance equity, which harms everybody. Equality of opportunity exists. That's not good enough because they're not achieving high enough, so we have to dumb it down. And and so that equity. Now, number one, any school or educational system that chooses to dumb down its curricula and its standards in order to make it easier for one particular race or ethnicity of people is racist on its face. It's assuming that these kids don't have the ability to achieve at the same level as kids of other colors. That's racism, as, a, as, a, as just a simple definition. Judging their ability to succeed based on the color of their skin. So that's number one. Number two is the question of why. Why are children of color, in particular, Far, far, far lower achieving when it comes to these standards uh, below their white counterparts, their white and Asian counterparts. And I talked to Kenny Shu about this, who's a Chinese-American. And I asked him why it is, for example, that, you know, Asian kids come over to this country, many of them not even speaking English when they go into school, and that they crank out way better grades than white or black or brown or any other types of kids. What's the difference? How can that be, and why, why is that? And Kenny you know, kind of talked about it a little bit. We didn't have a ton of time, but he, he danced around it somewhat, and then so did some callers who pointed out the difference is culture, the differences in the Asian culture. And that larger, the larger explanation of that is Asian kids are raised predominantly in two-parent households with a mom and a dad. The nuclear family is in force in the Asian culture, both in Asian countries and those who are Asian Americans here. And it's when you have a mom and a dad in the, in the household, the kids are held to account. They are held to account for being in school. They are held to account for doing their homework. They are held to account in, in making sure projects are done on time. And they are held to account in terms of assistance. If I don't quite get it, ask mom and dad. Maybe they can explain my homework to me a little bit better. That's what parents do. And lo and behold, if you look at the numbers, those people who said those things, including Kenny Shu, were right. Would you be surprised to learn that as of this month, December of 2020, only 18% of American households are families with married parents? Among the 130, uh, excuse me, 130 million households in America, only 17.8% of them are married, have married parents with children, down from over 40% as recently as 1970, according to the Census Bureau. That means most kids are growing up without a mom and a dad. 
But there is a further breakdown. According to uh, the Annie Casey Foundation Kids Count Data Center, here is the breakdown of children in single-parent households by race in the United States. According to the statistics, as recently as this is from the years 2010 to 2019, so just a little shy being current here in 2021, these are the latest numbers that they have. All right? In the United States, the percentage, the percentage, the highest percentage of... um, Families with married parents, in other words, two-parent households for children to grow up in, the very highest percentage belongs to Asian Americans. By far. By far. 85%. 85% of Asian and Pacific Islander Americans are growing up in households with a mom and a dad. Is it any wonder that their achievement in school is reflected by that? The next highest percent... In fact, let me flip it and make this easier. Let me flip it for you. The lowest percentage of individuals, the lowest percentage of children growing up in single-parent households is Asian Americans at 15%. I'm going to give you the the low number rather than the number of people who are. Just 15% of Asian Pacific Islander kids are growing up in single-parent households. The next lowest is white. Non-Hispanic white Americans, 24%, are growing up in single-parent households. Hispanic or Latino is next. 42% of Hispanic and Latino children are growing up in single-parent households. American Indian or Native American is next at 52% of the kids grow up with just one parent in their household. And then black or African-American, which is a surprise to no one, not because of racism, but because of reality. And just looking at these large urban center proficiency scores, you see why. 64% of kids in the United States in 2010 to 2019 are growing up in single-parent households. So what does all of this mean? When I asked Kenny Shu, a Chinese-American, how it is that, Amer- that Asian kids are able to come to the United States and achieve at such a high level when American kids can't, and the answer is very clearly they have a support and structure at home that belies the argument that it's about systemic oppression and denial of opportunity and achievement of op- uh, achievement um, by United- the United States government and the United States culture that our systemically oppressive, systemically racist nation that so many on the left want to blame for this is not a reality. The answer lies in households. The children who do the best in school are the children who, who have two parents in their home holding the kids accountable and making sure they get things done. The children who do the worst in school, who have the lowest proficiency, who can't do the higher level math, who can't read at their grade level. Read! much less speak and articulate it and present when it comes time for job opportunities and interviews are the kids who are growing up in single-parent households by a much, much larger number. 
So I, I just find it extraordinarily important for people to understand the proficiency of kids when it comes to their educations, the proficiency levels by race are reflected not in the society in which these kids are growing up, but in the households in which these kids are growing up. It's not about a systemically oppressive, racially discriminatory culture. It is a, it is a literal matter of choice. When parents get married first, then have their children, then stay together and raise their children together, the kids have an extraordinary chance to be successful in school and thus in their careers. When parents are not parents and they're just birth givers, when women get pregnant out of wedlock and fathers bolt, or when women get pregnant, especially if they're young women, they get pregnant out of wedlock and the father doesn't even know, those children are born into a situation where they're going to have very, very little chance of success. And that has nothing to do with systemic racism. It has to do with choices and cultures. The numbers don't lie. And the last thing I'll say regarding that Asian-American statistic I just told you about, 85% of the kids there growing up in two-parent households, it's interesting how Asian-Americans are used, depending on the, the narrative that is trying to be uh, pushed. When it comes to crimes committed against them, Asian-Americans are considered to be minorities. And their numbers are included in the quote-unquote hate crimes against minorities because they're minorities, they're non-white. But when it comes to their success, they're not considered non-white anymore. Now they're just like white people. It's not fair to compare um, Hispanic or African-American children and families to Asians because Asians are more white than they are minority. It's just so disgusting and so reprehensible how they are used and abused for political narratives. All right. Had to get that information out there. I'll let you uh, finish us up with some phone calls right after this. Ten fifty six. Let's go to Akron. Tanya, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Go ahead, Tanya. Hey, Bob. Uh, great show today. I've gone to the website. My thing is that when a parent says that they can't afford to fight, they need to find a way to afford to fight. We send our kids to colleges that will put us in bankruptcy, but when it's life or death about the country, we find excuses that we can't fight. If we don't fight, we will lose. And as a black American, we're going to, we're losing. And the information you gave us today, I'm going to be posting all over. And I'm going to watch all my friends tell me that's uh, a lie because they don't want to believe the truth. Keep no, it up. It's, it's, it's easier. Thank you, Tanya. And God bless you for your willingness to face reality because you're right. That's how we fight. That's how we win. I don't care if we're black or white or red or anything. Whatever we are, you fight and, and make sure that the truth is presented and that we find tools to fix what is broken. If you deny what is broken, then it will, of course, never get fixed. You are exactly right, and you do such a great job of that. Thank you for the call, as always. Uh, TJ in Cleveland next. Hey, TJ, go ahead. Hey, Bob. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, Bob, interesting with Kevin Stefanski, not only was he triple-shotted, but he had COVID earlier in the year. But, you know, a thing that puzzles me, I hear this Cleveland Clinic talking about they're inundated with COVID patients, their ICU. We heard the same thing last year. Now, I never heard anything out of the VA hospitals. And probably nobody has the larger elder population than the VA with your Second World War Korean and Vietnam veterans. I have never heard that their ICUs were inundated. But you know the difference between the VA and like the Cleveland Clinic? One's a profit hospital and one's a non-profit hospital. So that's got to make you wonder a little bit there. But quickly on the, uh, on the lighter side, Bob, I got a six-and-a-half-old uh, German Shepherd puppy, and I can't put up a tree or decorations because he will tear it down. Uh, between him and Joe Biden, they're ruining my, my Christmas. So my, my Shepherd Trooper, I'm, I'm not calling him Trooper anymore. I'm calling him Brandon. He's ruined my Christmas. <laughs> well done, TJ. Well done. I knew there was a punchline coming. Thank you, my friend. God bless. Dan is in uh, Avon. Hi, Dan. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Merry Christmas. Merry Thanks Christmas. I've only got 25 seconds, I'm sorry to say, but go ahead. There hey, you um, Yeah. Um, you know, ironically, it, it is institutional racism that has caused so much problem for you know the African-American community. Unfortunately, it's not the institutional racism that the liberal media likes to talk about. I mean, you listen to Thomas Sowell, and back as early as 1960, the African-American family structure was extremely strong. You're a thousand percent right, Dan. I wish I had more time to hear from you, but I know what you're saying. You are right. Thank you. Call me. 1960, the African-American family structure was extremely strong. You're a thousand percent right, Dan. I wish I had more time to hear from you, but I know what you're saying. You are right. Thank you. Call me back tomorrow. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.